0: Before we begin, this special episode of the Call to Arms podcast is being brought to you guys by Titan and Slam Philippines. Thanks to them, this is part of their very expansive coverage of The Last Dance. Follow them on social media. It's at Titan underscore 22 on Instagram and at Slam You can read up on everything that Slam has going on via the website www.slamonlineph.com and you can shop right now on www.titan22.com or download the Titan app. On May 15th, 2018, Jason Hare posted a photo of Michael Jordan on his Instagram account with a caption, let's go and go he did. His and his team's journey has been possibly the most unique in the history of sports storytelling. On one end, the most coveted behind-the-scenes footage ever shot in the history of basketball about the game's greatest athlete and its most famous icon was now in Jason's possession. For him to edit and publish, to be used by him according to his creative vision. Every filmmaker's dream. On the other end... A June release date moved up to April, with episodes still undone as we currently speak, the one piece of monoculture in the world of entertainment now being edited and refined and finished remotely from various homes and living rooms and basements instead of in his studio. For most filmmakers, that's a nightmare. Obviously, not for Jason Hare. On January 1st, 2020, not one episode of The Last Dance was ready to air. As we spoke on the morning of May 6th, episode 10 was still being worked on, still a couple of major steps away from being finished. The documentary is a story of a team, one of the greatest ever. It's about a man, the greatest ever. And as a 10-hour series, it is by far the most impressive retelling of any sports event ever. Its creation, however, its road from becoming mythical footage in the archive room to much-needed respite in the midst of a global crisis, is a story in itself. Classes will be held about this project. Every other documentary will be an attempt to reach this stratosphere. A whole new generation of basketball players and basketball fans will look back at these five weeks as the time they fell in love with the game. And that is an achievement, born out of great leadership, incredible vision, and unshakable determination. Jason Hare was the captain of a ship that not only refused to sink, but was determined to go through the icebergs instead of avoiding them. Much like MJ, much like the 98 Bulls, great things are achieved when in the face of a tremendous challenge, potentially nightmarish circumstances, a leader declares to the world, whether via a booklet at training camp, a speech on ring night, or an Instagram post in the middle of May, that it, whatever it is, will be done. Jason Hare said, let's go. And with his team and the last dance, he's gone further than anyone has before him. My name's Nico Ramos. This is a Call to Arms podcast. Something going on around the island. Money flowing I've been promised. Just another vacuum in the tropics taking over try and stop this novice make it killer and feel the cancer i'm a dreamer the floor is lava Something going on around the island straight fire when we vibe and promise we're here with the director of the last dance mr jason air jason i know you're a very busy man thanks for making time
1: my pleasure man nice to meet you
0: Now, you know, we sent something over to you. Um, This is a little bit of a present, not really a question, but we put you on the cover of Slam Philippines for a one of one special just for you that we're going to print out and that we're going to send to you as soon as we can get to the printer. And it says Air Jordan there at the very front, H-E-H-I-R Jordan. We thought that was clever, but I'm sure you get that all the time now.
1: Oh like Hair Jordan. I used to I used to pretend that that would be like the cover of a magazine if I played with Michael. So I, when I was on my Nerf hoop in my bedroom and I was listening to like Run DMC or or whatever like to, like doing my own dunk montages on my head, I would say like Hair Jordan, that's what they call him. So yeah, that's really cool.
0: You're now on, on the cover of an actual slam, and we, we, we just sent it to everyone. Once you get to see it, we, we hope that it's something that, that you enjoy. I hope you like the photo that we picked out. Um, it's been a grueling process um, for you. I'm, I'm sure that you just creeped out of the Batcave to, to do this, so we appreciate it you inherit what is i think the most mythical collection of archival footage in the history of sports people have been talking about this for decades some people didn't even think it existed you're supposed to release it in june gets moved up to april i know that by january 1st 2020 you said you didn't even have one episode ready to go and completely you know wrapped up in a bow what's that process been like and are episodes nine and ten even on picture lock right now as we speak
1: 9 is ready to air tonight. Uh, 10 is, is picture locked, but we have to sound design it and audio mix it and color correct it and translate it for however many languages go to 190 Netflix countries, and there's a lot of finishing that has to occur. Uh, so we're, we're on the 25th and a half mile of the marathon. Um, but, yeah, you're right. Th- th- there wasn't anything that was, that was actually uh, completed by January 1st this year. Um, it's been, uh, a bizarre four months to say the least, but, um, we're almost there. So I, I, I couldn't have more, uh, pride in, in the team that we've assembled that actually got this done at the speed that which they got it done under these circumstances.
0: Yeah. Not to mention you guys have to do it remotely, huh?
1: Yeah. That's, that's the, the biggest challenge technologically and, and creatively collaboratively is that, uh, we didn't. Uh, just like the rest of the world, nobody had a heads up that like the next day may be the last time they see the people that they work with and that they're going to be quarantined. So we had no time to plan technologically how we were going to implement new workflows and, and change what we had been doing for over two years at that point. Uh, luckily, we have world-class editors who have world-class setups in their apartments. And that's the only reason why we were able to do uh, what we've done in the last six or
0: eight weeks. And they say, don't take work home with you. Now, <laughs> Pat Riley says, uh, introduce the world to the disease of more. And I'm sorry to do this to you, but I mean, you're giving the world 10 hours of incredible, incredible storytelling on Michael Jordan and his bulls. And the first thing I'm going to do is ask for more. So, right off the bat, I'm just going to apologize uh, for that. But as things are falling to the cutting room floor, What's that one MJ anecdote? What's that one clip, or maybe that little experience you've had with him in this process that you know you're just going to have saved on a separate folder on your desktop, or it's always going to be in your back pocket, and you're always going to go, you know, I wish that made it to the doc, but that's my favorite, even though I didn't make it.
1: There's dozens, uh, to be honest with you. There's there's not only stories of his own, but but uh, stories of we interviewed 105 other people besides Michael. And obviously he's kind of the crown jewel of this project, but but there were a lot of stories that had to hit the floor because each of these ten chapters of this story had to be exactly 50 minutes. 5-0, not 5-1, not 4-9, not not 45, not 55, exactly 50 minutes. And um, crazy. That was a tough needle to thread because we had to some episodes should have been longer, some should have been shorter, but we had to, to hit that time. With Michael, I I think that the 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 clips that I'm sharing now, because I have I have this drive of of all the footage in my apartment, and as we kind of wind down here, I can share some of these clips with my with my team, um, remind them of some of the moments. A lot of it is just like the ball busting that he <laughs> that he joined in with during the process. So when we're when we're cutting cameras or reloading a battery or changing a card out in the camera. He would rip on somebody's shorts and we rip on his sneakers or his jeans. And he that that's what he enjoys is that kind of um, I, I think that that's when you see MJ through the years smiling and laughing on the court or in the locker room. That's the kind of behavior that he is uh, that he's exhibiting. And and he does that. That's what he enjoys. He doesn't want to be by himself. He doesn't like there, sitting there by himself in, in a quiet room. Um, he likes to be surrounded by people and he likes to give it out and he can take it and he can give it right back. So it's some of those moments that, you know, when you first meet the guy, it, it's bizarre because a poster comes down off of your wall and is not speaking to you. Your, your brain has to has to wrap itself around this concept um, that it's known of this two dimensional figure for the last, you know, in my case, 35 years uh, before I met him.
0: Now, we, we see a whole lot of, you know, and this happens in movies a lot or in TV shows where a certain character kind of takes off and then they get their own spinoff. Um, is, is there been a particular story that you've encountered on this process that you go, you know what, uh, we can only m- make room for a minute or a minute and a half of that story in this doc, but that one deserves its own spinoff documentary somewhere down the road?
1: do you know it, it's so interesting for me to to observe this from afar and to see how people uh consume this thing and what they respond to but the sniff brothers was the last second edition that we made just oh i love the sniff, sniff, sniff brothers of course we all did and it was like well but people are here to see michael and scotty and and when you're sitting there in a cave for two years there's no way to have perspective on what the rest of the world sorry about that
0: <laughs> it's all good
1: some some angry quarantine kids here in new york city um there's no way to have perspective on 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 what people are going to want to see and what they don't want to see and i'm thinking all right well the snip brothers to me are fascinating because it's this group of normal dudes who spent all of their time around michael and uh, and michael chose to spend his time around as well and what is it about these guys that was so endearing to him that that's who he was most comfortable with and then you think well but we have Five and a half interview with Phil Jackson. We have Scotty Pippen. We have Steve Kerr. We haven't even got to yet. You have Tony Kukoc's story. But you know the Sniff brothers are. <laughs> it's been so gratifying to see a guy like John Michael Wozniak, rest in peace, who, who passed away a few months ago, take off on social media. Where I've seen shrug T-shirts of John Michael doing the shrug after pitching quarters with Michael. Um, so those are those are moments there. And then there's so many. You know, there's there's so many anecdotes and so many, so many stories that we didn't have time to pursue as preposterous as it sounds. Ten hours wasn't enough to tell all the stories that we had in our holster.
0: You know, John Michael Wozniak, may may he rest in peace. But I I think the Internet is convinced, though, that he's either of the two things, Sam Smith in disguise, like in a Scooby-Doo disguise (laughs) or or Joe Exotic's dad. They're still not sure which one he is.
1: Joe uh, John is bigger than you think because so so those interviews, a lot of the interviews we did or a few of the interviews we did took place at Michael's residence in Chicago Now Michael lives in Florida full time. But we interviewed Tony Kukoc and will Purdue and a few other people at Michael's house which which remains in suburban Chicago.
0: Wow, I, 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 love, I love how to this day they're still coming over to MJ's house.
1: Oh yeah, and they, they all still live in, in the same area. Tony, Tony still lives across the street from Michael Jordan after all these years, except Michael's not there. The 23 is there on the gates, but Michael's not in the house. Who is in the house was John Michael. Michael was the the gatekeeper and the wow. uh, security guard for that house. So as recently as when we finished our interviews in Chicago, which was only at the end of last year, Um, John Michael was there and he's the guy who opens the door to you and and lets you in that house. And he's, he's, he's bigger than you think. And, you know, if you hear his stories, I mean, I saw him just as everybody else saw him as this guy with the crazy hair and his footage, like, who is this guy? You hear the stories, man. Like he, he was on the vice squad. Um, I don't know if he worked with, worked for the DEA or with the DEA, but he's got stories that two minutes into it, you're holding your mouth because you might puke because of some of the things that he's seen that he just says nonchalantly. So <laughs> Michael was surrounding himself with the realest of the real.
0: And oh, by the way, Michael Jordan is my best friend.
1: Yeah. My, by the way, Michael Jordan trusts me to escort his family from place to place. And and appropriately enough, his nickname was Hollywood because that, Perfect. That was just his personality. Now, we get pretty deep into the story of Gus Lett later on in the series. And Gus was, was uh, John Ligmanowski says, the brigadier general of the Sniff brothers, Gus Lett. Um, but Gus became Michael's uh, kind of father figure after he lost his own dad. And Gus's story is incredible in and of itself. And you'll see later on that he, he plays a significant role in the outcome of, of, uh, of some of those postseason games.
0: Brigadier General of the Sniff Brothers is a job title I never knew I wanted, but I'm dedicating <laughs> my life now to to taking on that role. Now i've I've been looking at some of the some of the behind the scenes photos, um, as much of them as I can find here. And to be honest with you, I'm I'm stalking what kind of heat you got you got on during these interviews. So I've I've seen you in some of the interviews in the Jordan One Lows, you know, the hyper pink ones, the yeah the blue shirt the mj blue shirt interview which if i'm not mistaken is the first time you meet mj now my, my sources tell me that the jordan Four columbias that you got on during that interview first time you're interviewing michael jordan a filmmaker's, a sports fans dreams come true um those were fours that were gifted to you before the start yes. of production so yes, my so question that- is what's that like you just get the jordan package
1: no, well, what happened was this. First of all, that wasn't the first time I met Michael. It was the first time we interviewed him. Right, That was right. June, June 26, 2018. On the night of June 25, 2018, one of our cameramen, John Roach, who is uh, the sneakerhead of all sneakerheads. I'm not. I, I, I'm not going to pretend to be a sneakerhead. I got a pair of Jordans that I was going to wear. I love fours because the fours are the ones that I wanted when I was in eighth grade. Uh-huh. And and couldn't afford it, and my parents wouldn't get me. And you know, there's always a kid in your team that has them and you're jealous of them. But the white fours, those are the ones that I loved. So I bought a pair. We all get all wear Jordans. And also there's there's a certain degree of decision making that goes into like do you wear Jordans to an interview with Jordan is that kissing his ass?
0: Yeah, or or do yeah. I do I play it off like I've been here before, be a little yeah. too cool for school, I get it. Or I mean you're not going to walk in wearing Yeezys,
1: but but do you walk in wearing, you know, Cole Hans or something that that, that there's Switzerland in this in this battle. <laughs> and we consulted a number of people inside and outside of his camp. And and when when the votes were tallied, we decided, you know what, let's just be safe and and go with Jordan's. At least it'll be a conversation starter. So I had my own pair that I brought down. um, And then John being a really good friend of mine um, and a sneakerhead himself gifted me with that pair the night before. And there's no way I was going to wear anything else except the pair that he gifted me with. So I wore those. And then you'll see that in the third interview, with him, if, there's, if, if you've seen t- pictures of that, I'm wearing that same pair because I rarely right. wear those out. And those are like my good luck pair. That first interview went so well. Uh, the second interview was like surgical strikes. Like there's certain things that we need and we only have 90 minutes. And I was interrupting Michael and saying, you told me that already, Let, we gotta move forward.
0: Um, you told me that already to Michael yeah. Jordan.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's, th- those, are, those, are my, those are my low top ones. We gotta get to get out of here uh, choose. And then I wore those fours again for the third one, because I figured let, let's try and recreate this experience as much as possible.
0: So what's, what's your, be honest with me here, Jason, the world is listening. So don't, so don't lie. Um, I'll never be anything but honor. What's your plug situation like now with, with Jordan? If there's a new Jordan that comes out, are you a text away from somebody and Jason air gets his pair in his size? No problem or i mean you're my not lining up like the rest of us right
1: my plug situation is well I, I was gonna say better than most people you know but but probably not because you're you're the one who has the, the power to put people on the cover of magazines i don't have that <laughs> i was gonna it's it's better than most people i know but it's not even close to the people who are actually getting like these these you know the, the rare jays so um it's not like Nike is sending me stuff. It's not like the Jordan Brand is sending me stuff. You know, the the second time that I met with Michael, um, I haven't told this story before. The second time that I met with him, it was it was very sudden. It was, um, can you get up here by one p.m. and it was like eleven thirty in the morning on a Sunday. Wow. And I was like, uh, yeah, it's cool. Like, <laughs> I'm in like jeans and a t-shirt, and like I'm just gonna wear Nikes. Is that cool? No, you got to wear Jordans. We're going to the Jordan brand classic. Everyone's going to have Jordans on, including Michael. Like, I was like, Nike's is fine, though, right? No, you got to have Jordans. (laughs) I busted my ass to get from Tribeca to the Spring Street Nike store. And I bought, you know, there's a lot of Jordans I can't pull off, nor should I. I'm a 43-year-old, you know, (laughs) dorky white guy. I should not be pulling off some of these Jordans. So I just, I got the most basic pair. I still love them. I still have them. Um, they're just black ones with the uh, with the gold swoosh outline.
0: Right. I know what you're talking and I, about.
1: And I wore those up and um, I walked into this hotel lobby. The first place that I met him ever, it was the same lobby, it's the same hotel that he stays at in New York. And at this point it was like, you know, 1230, 1 o'clock. And I walk in and he shook my hand and looks down at my feet and goes, brand new. <laughs> <laughs> He knew. He saw it from a mile away. I said, "This is the first pair of Jordans I've ever put on my feet. I couldn't afford them as a kid. It, it wasn't my style as an adult. And now this is the first pair of Jordans I'm putting on. So we we laughed about that. And and Michael being Michael, he busted my balls a bit about that. And uh, and the day went on.
0: Crazy! I, I love that story. Here's my here's my last question, uh, Jason. You have all of this, uh, you know, archive footage from '98 that no other team, I think, especially not in the NBA, has ever allowed that much access to a film crew. Um, y- y- you're sitting on all of it, but you're encountering all of these stories that you're trying to find B-roll for, that you're trying to find supporting footage for. Has there been a story? Has there been a stone you've unturned in this process that you're like, man, you know what? I wish we had footage of this and I wish that someone had a camera when this happened.
1: The Kerr punch. Mm-hmm. Because we get into Michael punching Steve Kerr uh, in depth. And luckily Michael's a great storyteller and Steve Kerr's a great storyteller and Phil Jackson's a great storyteller. And we have all of their perspectives on this. So it's pretty easy just to cut between those talking heads. But man, if we had footage of that, that would have been incredible.
0: Especially because they say that Steve was the one who got physical with Michael first. I just want to see tough guy Steve Kerr. I want to see tough guy Steve Kerr.
1: Listen, man, Steve Kerr is tougher than anybody that I interviewed, and you'll see why in
0: episode nine. I can't wait. Jason, it's, it's been a true pleasure, whether it was with the Fab Five or with Andre, you've done something that I think very few films are able to do, which is to introduce it to a new generation and make them feel like they were part of that moment when it happened. Doesn't happen all the time. And you have the only thing that's unanimous in the world right now, which is people loving this documentary. It's been an incredible project and it's a great journey to be on and watch. Thanks a lot for your great work.
1: That's great to hear, man. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Slam cover boy, Jason Ayer, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> one of one. One of one. Thanks a lot. Get the plug. That's our one-on-one with The Last Dance director, Jason Hare. Thanks a lot to him for making the time. We want to thank the great people of Netflix for helping make this possible. And again, this special episode of the Call to Arms podcast is brought to you by Titan and Slam Philippines. You can follow them at Titan underscore 22. Slam Online PH on Instagram And the websites are www.titan22.com Or download the Titan app And www.slamonlineph.com The Call to Arms podcast Produced and made possible as always By the amigo Toby from HR Art by the one and only Alan Martin And opening music and closing music By the great guys over at Careless Music Manila The song's called Tropical Vikings My name is Nico Ramos Hope you guys enjoy this episode We'll see you again soon. Thanks. I want a million lives. I want a billion profits when all that I got is a villainous mind. I keep a reel in the pocket while you hear the venomous lies. I do not speak like a prophet, cause I got a million styles. Let's see what's really inside. pulling over in the whip, flying out another trap.